life-changing grace with others. Join us as we hear from the Word. So we're still alive in 2024. So far, so good. Life's rocking and rolling. Well, Happy New Year. Uh, it's, uh, it's exciting to consider. I mean, I know year after year, we kind of think about what January means for us. And in the process of that, one of the things that we uh, just feel is really valuable for us as part of the culture of our body here at Park Springs is just those, those consistent chronic reminders. Those reminders of, hey, this is, this is who we are, and there's reasons why we've thought through who the Lord wants us to be in a very unique way, kind of this gospel-centered, Jesus-pursuing, focused mission here at the church, we, we believe has a, a lot of impact for, for how we do what we do. And so this morning, since we've attacked this uh, subject uh, a few times throughout the years, I wanted to kind of approach it in a different way. And, and it, it'll serve certainly as a reminder because we do want some of the common vocabulary. But, but ultimately, what, what I want to do is I want, I want the Word of God to just continue to instruct to direct and to correct some parts of our lives that might be uh, aspects of where he's addressing things and moving us in specific ways as a body. And so in order to do that, the starting point really is asking you a question. And it's a question that I've asked myself numerous times and in various different forms of life. But the question is, what's your why? And what I mean by that is that we all make decisions, hundreds of decisions, thousands of decisions every day. And yet often, I think so many of those decisions are motivated by either just feelings, circumstances around us, or we've never really asked the question, why? Why is it that I do what I do? What's your why? And maybe in some of the bigger discussions, we've processed those things and thought about them. When we drive through McDonald's, we would say, well, what's your why? Well, it's because I'm hungry, right? Like it's sometimes the answers are maybe a little more simple, but we think about just the pace and the trajectory and how God has called us to live our lives, I think it's more of a challenging question than I'm willing to admit at times. What's my why? I mean, why do I do the things that I do? I want to answer that question for you, not for your life. For us, you're like, this is why you should do things. I want to answer it as a context of the church. Like, what's, what's our why as a church? And you've seen it on the chalkboard out front. We have our mission statement, discovering life in the power of God's grace and sharing his life-changing grace with others. And then we have these five key components of a vision that set the pace, that there's some of the whys of what God is communicating to us and through us as a church. But if there's any just core simplistic thing that I would want you to walk away with, the why for us is that we believe that the grace of God is dispensed through faith in Jesus Christ changes people's lives. That's our why. At the very core, basic foundation of life itself, we're convinced that people need change. I'm convinced I need change. That there are things in my life that are out of alignment with the perfect will of God. I need to get my bearings and understand the aspects of God's word that corrects, that shifts, that protects, that moves me to deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ because we ultimately believe that through faith in Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ changes lives. 
And so what do we want to do? We want to do that in two ways. We want to discover that grace and we want to share that grace. So this morning, I want to walk through what it means for us to discover that grace in the context of our five points of vision. Our five points of vision are participating in spiritual formation, we're valuing diversity, we're reaching out in mission, we're joining together in worship, and we're growing in emotional relational health. Those are just things that easily just roll off our tongue, right? Like we all know it. It's so simple, right? What I ultimately want to do is I, 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 want to, I want to listen in, if you will. Like I want to listen in to a discussion of God through his prophet to a people, a people who are out of alignment, a people maybe are so far out of alignment that they're convinced that they know better than God. So I'm going to jump into five specific passages in the book of Jeremiah. If you know anything about Jeremiah, it's a prophet who has communicated and been called by God to communicate some very stern, corrective words to Judah. They've gone astray. His people have, have shifted and, and gone out of alignment for the very heritage and truth and provision of what God has given them in a, in a consistent way throughout all generations. God had been so faithful to them. But they got to a point where they said to themselves, I got this. I'm all set. God, I know that you have things and ways and what you want me to do, but at the end of the day, if I'm being frank, that just doesn't really matter to me anymore. It's the heartbeat of the nation, the people of God that Jeremiah is writing to. And so you would think that God could just be like, all right, fine, go ahead, ruin your lives and do whatever you want. And yet, this is one of the longest books in the Bible, and it's God consistently and fervently pursuing his people to offer truth and realignment of their lives to the things that matter most. What happened to the nation is their why was off. Their why had been so misdirected and so self-centered that they were convinced that they could decide their why. And yet God in his infinite grace and glory and passion for his people said, ultimately, my why is the only why that matters. And it's not as some sort of dictatorial. He's saying, I have designed you in ways that as you function with on along the paths that I've called you to live, and you're on this alignment, the, the very things that you're searching for that you cannot find in this world, you'll find in me. The very peace and hope and satisfaction and substance of life itself is found in relationship with God. Because we believe that our why is that through faith in Jesus Christ and the grace that God has given us, grace changes people. Grace changes everything. And so what I want to do is I want to listen in to the words that God gives Jeremiah to the people in these places of correction that line up with our five strategic points of vision. I'm going to say them in different ways, but I'm convinced that as we look at what it means to discover life in the power of God's grace— We're listening into the words of God that haven't changed from day one. God has been faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like there's not something that he's shifting based on circumstances that the reliable words that he gave to Jeremiah for the nation of Judah are applicable to us. Those corrections, those realignments are critical for us to consider because often the very places that the people of God go 
away, when they lose their why or they change their why or they go astray, are the very corrections that we need. So number one, we're going to be in chapter four first, verses one through four. And I'd like to suggest to you this morning that if we truly are convinced that grace, God's grace changes lives, then the first correction is a heart willing to see what God sees. That ultimately, one of the things that we need most critically in the context of our lives is that sometimes our sight is off. How often have you gotten an argument with someone you love and you could put it into the category of misunderstanding? They were seeing something different than what you saw. They were hearing and internalizing the world around them. The circumstances and visions that they were looking at just weren't the same as yours. Part of what we need in realigning our lives to the cause and the mission of God is his sight. You need to see as he sees. And so there's a nation that has gone astray. They've gone wayward. Their why is the only why, and God is offering correction. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Here's what the Lord begins to tell them in terms of aspects of, of reshifting, realigning, getting their bearings straight. He said, if you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me you should return. The person of God himself, the reality of that relationship is so critical. It's not just return, get your act together and do things right. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, come back to relationship with me. Come back into this ideal connection with the God of the universe that you should return to me. And then things begin to cascade and unfold from there. If you should remove your detestable things from your presence and do not waver. And if you swear as the Lord lives in truth, in justice, in righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskin of your hearts. O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. So this word is coming to Jeremiah as he's communicating to a nation or to a people that have gone wayward. And he's saying, here's the, the area that we need correction. And the, the example that he gives is this idea of fallow ground. He's saying that things within the context of their hearts need to be retailed. They've grown harder. They've planted things or nothing has been planted. The word of God has been lost in, in the midst of their hearts. And there needs to be a, a shift, a return to those things that they need to be spiritually formed. To see what God sees means that what we're willing to do is open our lives to the gaze of God and say, look, I know that there are things in my life that don't align with what you want. I want to be changed by your tender, merciful care. I want to be different. I want to participate in spiritual formation. I want to be grown, and I want the things in my life to grow that you care about. Would you begin to till the ground of my heart so that I can see what you see? When we think about discovering life in the power of God's grace, do we not believe that one of the most critical aspects of doing that is awareness, <laughs> self-awareness, the understanding and admittance that you and I come to the place that we need to be 
change. Something, some things, some attitudes, actions, behaviors, perspectives are, are off. And sometimes we don't even know what they are. But what happens here as God is speaking through Jeremiah to the people who have gone wayward is saying that very thing. Look, I, I want to change you, bring you back into relationship with me because the places and the things that you're looking for, the justice, the righteousness, the hope, the very things that you want are only found in me. It's as though there's this invitation to trust that God is forming his people through relationship with him. And so seeing what God sees, 100% risky endeavor. I understand that because sometimes looking inside and thinking about seeing things in our hearts as God sees them can be very dismantling because we know that there are things that are there that we don't want to let go of. And that's the why. Why would I let go of those things that I'm holding so hard to that, that I nourish and I care for, whether it's wounds or hurts or desires or longings or appetites, because Christ and is the only source of our hope in those things. And so as he's speaking to, to Jeremiah and, and communicating to the people, he's saying God is the source of all of our hopes and desires and that we can let go of those things because ultimately they will only end up leading to destruction and distance from the very things that you want. So a heart that sees what God sees. I think that's a part of realigning our perspective. Thinking and praying and asking the Lord to give us insight into our own souls as we discover life in God's grace and we know that grace changes lives and our desires to be changed by that very grace. We need it as much as others do. So number two, as we move and you, you get to listen in a bit, and Jared talked about this on our service on um, December 31st, and the reality of, of what this means as we think about valuing what God values. And so if you'll move your, your Bibles a little bit further down the road to, to Jeremiah 6.16. Again, listening in to what God is saying and, and offering some significant correction in the midst of false prophets and all of this teaching that's going on and the people being led astray, it reminds them that one of the most important things that we need to do is to have a faith that values what God values. A faith that actually lines up with the very truth in the words of God himself. And so just to remind you of what Jeremiah 6.16 says, it says this, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient path where the good way is, and walk in it. Find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. There's this awareness of the very things of God, like the correction could not be more clear. Look back at all of the instruction that the Lord has offered and walk in those ways. You have enough knowledge to know what God is asking you to do. And so do what's before you. Do what you know is right. Love the way God has called you to love. Value what God values. Care that he cares about all of the people and all the nations, whether they're old or young, poor or rich, whatever ethnic aspect or wherever people come from, God values individuals throughout the context of the whole Old Testament. God is concerned about the foreigner and the sojourner. There's an aspect of saying, I just want to value what God values. And God values people. And God values his word. And so 
the basic level of what we know, we step out in faith doing what we know God has called us to do based on his word. Valuing what God values. You know the ancient has walk in them. And then there's a promise embedded in this text. And what is it? You do what God does and value what God values. What do you get? Peace. Rest for your souls. The very aspect and the very promises that he's given a wayward nation, the very thing that they're searching for can only be found in the very thing they've discarded. Isn't that shocking? The very thing that you give up to feel like you can pursue what you want to pursue, you actually find in holding on to the very thing that God has given you, which is himself. So we don't need a, just need a heart that sees what God sees, but we also want a faith that values what God values. We care and believe that the word of God is inerrant and authoritative, that it is the source of truth, that it communicates accurately, not just about God, but about the world around us. Our bearings are found in the word of God itself. And so let's say we're like, I'm not even sure what the ancient paths are. Well, we have them and we can read them and we can understand the nature and character of God and what he's doing and why he cares for the things he cares about and why he's asking us to pursue the things he's asking us to pursue. A heart that is willing to see what God sees and a faith that's willing to value what God values. Thirdly, I think it's also critical for us to have a hunger to address the wars and wounds inside, to biblically address those things that are taking place inside of our hearts. So let me move over to Jeremiah chapter 7, and we're going to look at chapter 7, verses 3 through 7. And again, we're listening in as God is speaking through a prophet to a wayward people. And here's what God says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I give of old to your fathers forever. Do you get this? perspective when we're thinking about the reality of what's taking place is he's addressing a sense in which there's been a lot of emotional and relational conflict and tensions in the context of their walks with God. Sometimes people are succeeding that they don't think people should succeed. They find themselves frustrated and worried and concerned that somehow they have to manage the people around them or they'll take them away or take over the very things that they feel like they deserve. There are wars and wounds inside that are taking place in the nation that is actually convincing them against the character of God. And let me just suggest to you that that happens to us all the time. How often have you been in a circumstance or a situation where you've been hurt? Hurt by someone that you trusted. And the first response is not just anger towards the person who hurt you, but you've asked the question, have you not? How could God let this happen? When you've encountered suffering and challenge, you've wondered, or I've questioned, the goodness of God in those things. And, and that's exactly what God is telling Jeremiah to communicate 
to the people of God that all of these wars and these wounds and these things that are taking place inside and all of these conflicts that are continuing to transpire within the midst of the nation are leading them away from the very understanding of who God truly is. They're allowing their circumstances to dictate their view of God rather than their view of God to dictate their circumstances. And that happens all the time. To you, to me, to all of us. And so when we're thinking about, as a, as a church, our why is knowing that grace changes people, what we're saying is all of us are coming into this place with some level of brokenness. We have hurts, we have hangups, we have challenges, we have things that have impacted our journey. And there are two options for each of us. The first is that we allow those things to decide our identity that we become the people who understand that our suffering somehow just has consumed the version of who we are and that's all we know about ourselves. Or we allow the truth of Jesus Christ and his grace to change us so that that incident, those things become part of our testimony. They're part of our story, but they don't describe the totality of who we are. That we are sons and daughters of the living God who deeply values and cares for us and that we can grow in our understanding of how these issues of trauma and challenge begin to change and transform our lives. They're not our identity, they're part of our story. That's a huge shift. But we have to be willing to allow the truth of God's grace to change us. So we need a heart willing to see what God sees. We need a faith that values what God values. We need a hunger and a willingness and a desire to address the very things and the wars and wounds that are taking place inside. We cannot come to church just pretending that everything's okay when everything's not okay. And yet sometimes I think we feel that way, like I need to put on a good face. And yet the, the word would communicate to us that there are so many things that are going on inside of our lives that, that authentic, genuine worship of God is the reality that we're bringing all of ourselves to the table all of the time, no matter how much we're trying to hide. God sees it all. And so our desire as we move forward in the heartbeat of the vision of the church is to say, you don't have to hide. We've said it numerous times from the pulpit. Can we, as followers of Jesus Christ, live in the light? Can we expose and be able to walk and partner with one another as a privilege to realize that there are things that we're wrestling with and working through that are ways in which God is changing us? Number four, we call reaching out a mission, but I think it's a passion to see more people know Christ. And so here, as again, we're listening in to God's words to Jeremiah to a wayward people. Let's look at chapter eight, verses four through seven, just briefly. Here's what... Uh, God says to, to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says to the people, You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, When men fall and do not rise again, if one turns away and does not return, why then has the people turned away in perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. I have paid attention and listened. But they have not spoken rightly. No man relents from his evil, saying, what have I done? Everyone turns to his own course, like a horse plowing headlong into battle. Even the stork in the heavens knows her times, and the turtle dove and swallow and crate keep the time of their coming. But my people know not the rules of the Lord. You get this analysis 
as though there's this collision course of God's people who have been so wayward that are just running headlong into their own destruction. And yet, what you get is this perspective of God continuing to remind them, pursue them, and offer an invitation to return. The entire book of Jeremiah is all of these indictments against God's people doing things their own way and going wayward. But if we look at the book as a whole, what we're saying is, man, does God not infinitely care about people and their return back to him? That somehow the whole purpose of this book would be to get the people and those who've been wayward back into a relationship with God. God pursues that which is lost. And how much more should our church also be in alignment with those things? A heart that sees what God sees, a faith that values what God values, a hunger to biblically deal with the wars and wounds inside, and a passion to see people, wayward people, know God. As we discover life in God's grace, those wayward people are us. And that is compelling because it's not just us, but certainly we could stand up front, every single one of us, and tell stories of how frequently we've gone our own way. When we talk about being those that are reaching out in mission, we are saying we are recipients of those who've reached out in mission to us. I came to faith in Christ because God pursued me through the presence and, and pursuit of someone who cared about the mission of Jesus Christ to share the life-transforming grace with me that I didn't know. I grew up in a non-Christian home. I wasn't born into the faith. I didn't grow up with these things, but someone was compelled and cared enough to share about the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ with me. It changed my life. It changed the course of my family. I don't have a heritage of those who've been faithful generation after generation in my family. But my sister came to faith, and then I came to faith, and now her foster son or now adoptive son is understanding the truth of God's grace in his life, and my kids are knowing about the reality of Jesus because God changed me. I want that for you and for others. The essence of the church is to care passionately about those things, that the people of God would know the passion of God and that God cares about wayward souls. A heart that sees what God sees, a faith that values what God values, a hunger to deal biblically with the wars and wounds inside, and a passion to see people know God through faith in Christ. And finally, I would say that our final one, joining together in worship, why we're so committed to meeting with regularity and worshiping together as a family of God, comes from Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And it's an attitude that longs to be in the awe of God. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And I'll finish up with this. Again, listening in, the words of God to Jeremiah to a wayward people, here's what God says. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, not like the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in earth, for in these things I delight declares the Lord. 
We just, we just got one of the greatest pictures of the character and the nature of God in two verses. And here's what it tells us, that the God himself communicating to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah communicating to wayward people. He's saying, here's what you need to know, those very things that you value most, that you care most about, those things that you would want to say, hey, look at how successful or how well I am. The wise man boasting in his white, the, the, <laughs> the wise man boasting in his wisdom. The strong man boasting in his might. All of those things, he's saying none of that matters. If there's anything that you would want to boast about, that you would want to find yourself staking your life on, boast in this, that he knows me and he understands who I am. Well, who are you, God? What's your, what's your why? God would say, well, my eyes, I'm steadfast in my love. I always, I always act according to my character. You want to know where justice reigns and rules, where injustice doesn't exist, where that vocabulary does not live and breathe? It's in me. I only know steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth, and it's in those things that I delight. Why would someone not want to fall on their face in awe of God of how amazing he is if those are his attributes. Steadfast and consistent love. Every time I come to worship God and I find myself discovering things around my life, I can know that God is consistent in his love for me, even when my love is inconsistent for him. That, that I could be in awe. So much of our mission and vision is about posture. Posture towards God and posture towards others. Am I an individual that sees that grace changes everything, that it leads me to absolutely surrendering my entire life to the perfect plan of God and trusting his tender care, that he can change what he wants to change, call what he wants to call, because I know who he is. If there's anything that we could boast in as a church, anything that you could boast in as a person, the only thing that is worthy to give your life to would be that you would understand and know the God of the universe. Because in knowing God, you would truly be able to understand yourself. He was the one that fashioned and created you. So our desire in discovering life and the power of God's grace is those very things. That we would see what God sees, we'd value what God values, we'd care about allowing ourselves to live in the light and allowing him to deal with the very things that are going on inside. That we'd have a passion for people to know Christ. And that ultimately we would have an attitude that just longs to be in awe of God. We would just want our lives to reflect his goodness and character. Because ultimately, whatever successes we might have in this life are just gifts from God. The only thing that's worthy of praise is that we know God and that he knows us. There's a deep joy in moving towards 2024 with those corrective aspects of our lives. That's what I want. I want my life to reflect God's goodness to the world around me, and I want to remember it on a regular basis because I believe that grace changes everything, so much so that it can even change me. Would you pray with me? Father, we do need to be changed. Often, we're not sure where, 
there are places and perspectives and things that we feel inside of our hearts that we wish we would stop feeling. And yet, God, if we're honest, if I'm honest, there are things I'm holding on to and nurturing that I don't want to let go of. And so, Lord, I, I want to entrust my life to you and your care. As we move together with just understanding the heartbeat of who you called us to be at Park Springs Bible Church, we would ask most prominently and most consistently that it would always be about you. God, may we press in as a church to who you are and who you've called us to be. In Christ's name, amen. That's a great way to kick off the year. I think one of the things we're confronted with in church in general, but also in in new chapters, is, is a question of priorities. Like, what is going to occupy that top spot in our lives, in our time, in our thinking? And for all of us, we should reflect on that. And that becomes, I would say, just very apparent when we also take time to take communion. It exposes to us what we're putting our trust in, what we're putting our hope in, and what we are prioritizing in our life. Our text for this will be in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 8. The Apostle Paul writes this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I just invite you to reflect on that in your heart as our ushers come forward and pass the elements, and then together we'll partake of the table of the Lord to kick off this year.
To those of us who call Jesus Lord, let us remember what he said. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that was shed for you. For many, for the remission of sins, the blood of the new covenant, take and drink. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we remember who you are and who we are and what you've done for us. God, we come to this table to receive mercy, a mercy we can only receive from Jesus. God, so we trust him. We place our faith in his sacrifice. God, we lay everything else aside and choose you. God, help us to remember every single day as we live out the lives you called us to participating in your mission in this world. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us and to your people through all generations that we can rely on and believe in. God, go before